pumping, my heart is pumping, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, making your life better, we're going to help you in any way we can, well, the only way we can, by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable conversation for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week brooklinen palm and squarespace squarespace they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend Slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who knows that one lateral is just silly, but two laterals means you can win the game. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I'm assuming something football happened. I didn't. I didn't. I don't watch. But the miracle uh, in Miami. You didn't see the miracle in Miami. Was it just a regular season game, or did it mean something? It beat the Patriots, and oh, cool. uh, they did it uh, with two laterals at the end of the game with this wacky, crazy, uh, improbable game uh, play. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. Also, fun to I watch. Do, I do like the Dolphins color scheme. I also like the Marlins. Uh, I like the Miami color and the heat. Oh my goodness! The big fan city. of fish. You're a big fan of fish no, and, the and heating them up. Oh. They all use like these '80s like Miami Vice, like the Heat Pastels. City jerseys. Yeah, they're awesome. Hey, what a week! Uh, there's almost too much to talk about this week. It is uh, going to be a jam-packed, bursting at the seams episode. It's announcements galore we had the game awards we had kind of funny game showcase just so much to talk about in the news segment plus we've got games coming out new games coming out even here in december we got new big huge releases to get to but my favorite part of this episode is our guest because this is somebody i've been wanting to have on for quite a while now you know that dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week i'm excited because dlc stands for Dan Leviathan Casey, because from the Nerdist and the Dan Cave, one of my favorite people on the internet, Mr. Dan Casey is here. Hey, Dan. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys, and for pronouncing my middle name properly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Not many people know that your middle name is Leviathan, but I think it checks out. My parents really went biblical with it. (laughs) Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it this week. I don't even, it doesn't have to make sense, but it does make sense because it's you. Um, You were at the Game Awards, right? I was. I was all the way to the right. And I had a lovely view of the screen bisected by one of those giant crane cameras. (laughs) That's why I watched it at home too. I put a a crane cam right in the middle. So I wanted to get the live experience. You want to get the authentic, yeah. That's how real gamers experience awards. (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen to the world of games this week. Uh, usually, each of us comes up with a, uh, a nominee. This week, there's just too much to talk about. So we're just going to step through all of it and assume it's all the stories of the week because you can't. I don't think you can narrow it down into one story from what's happened. And there's so much. We're just going to try to step through 
uh, as much of the craziness that happened this week as we can just fit into this show. And I won't make anybody choose one tidbit out of a sea of news uh, to pick as their story of the week. So let's start actually with the Game Awards awards, because yes, uh, it is a showcase for game trailers and new game announcements, and we'll get to all of that. But it's ostensibly an award show, and I thought uh, the award winners is this it, year actually... <laughs> is maybe it an not. award show? I mean, I said ostensibly. Legally, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right there in the name, right? It's the it's the it's it's not the game announcements. It's the game awards. So I, I figured we'd at least pay some lift service to the awards before we move on to the juicy stuff and talk about uh, the awards. We don't have to go through all of them. But uh, I wonder, Dan, if there were any particular categories uh, that surprised you as to as to which game won. Um, I think in terms of what was actually surprising, um, I raised an eyebrow when Monster Hunter World took home the best role playing game uh, yeah. title. I was yeah. like, eh, all right. I mean, yes, I guess so. There is uh, <laughs> it is an RPG in a sense, but. Um, I think for me, uh, the biggest surprise was that Red Dead Redemption 2 didn't actually sweep every category. Yeah. You know, you saw God of War taking home Best Game Direction and uh, Game of the Year, which very well deserved. Um, I just I just really thought that Rockstar had this all locked up. I am very glad that no one was accepting monetary wagers because I would have lost my house on that Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was a lock for Red Dead Redemption 2, especially because... The, the night started and it's it was kind of steamrolling a lot of the categories. Yeah. And I thought for sure it was going to get game of the year. But I'm very pleased. I I think God of War is the better game, uh, personally. Um, and I'm really glad that it came out on top. Is, is Were you pleased to see that or just surprised? I was... I mean, I, I love both those games. So I was, I was pleased to see um, God of War get the recognition that I think it very richly deserves. I mean, it's not like... It's not like uh, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2, its status was diminished by any of this. It's going to win a billion other awards. No, I took yeah. my copy out, put it in a garbage can, and lit it on fire like uh, yeah. sports fans do. When yeah. <laughs> if it's not the best, it's not in my house. Yeah, I'm not playing it. Get out of here. <laughs> I, I'm going to be laughing when the Game of the Year edition comes out, and uh, it's a lie. It's a no. straight-up lie. We, we talked about this a long time ago, Jeff. One outlet. You just need one outlet. Speaking of straight-up lies, I had no idea that Roger Clark, the guy who plays Arthur Morgan, was British. I know, right? It just feels wrong. It just feels yeah. very wrong. But uh, the quintessential American outlaw in video games, and he's uh, he's a Brit. But what are, what are, They can do anything. They're magical Man, actors. His greatest swindle of all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's only fair. We do have Robert Downey Jr. playing Sherlock Holmes, so it's yeah, kind of it's their turn payback. to finally get one in. <laughs> yeah, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, I mean, uh, Christian, I know that you kind of bristle at the whole idea of these awards, but is there anything here that you want to note, or you know, what did you think of the actual game of the year? Uh, I I didn't. I watched some of the announcement videos. Um, or, or I watched clips after the fact. I did not watch it live. I don't know who won most of the awards. To be perfectly honest, um, I like well, they're, in the, they're in the I show like, notes right here in front of you. I know, you but I'm not, right now I'm just not going to scan. It doesn't. I like I like God of War. I like Red Dead. I really like Celeste. I hope Celeste got some recognition. It it did great. 
<laughs> okay. All right, I, don't, cool. I don't know. That's great. It won, it won Best Independent Game, and um, Matt Thorson, um, who created the game, um, also made one of my all-time favorite games, Towerfall. He yeah. gave this really great speech about how um, Celeste, at its core, has a message about uh, mental illness and coming to terms with that. And he said that if Celeste has helped you come to terms with mental illness at all, um, then he wanted to say that was like something that came from within you, and you should be proud of yourself because you that was that was your doing, not like something else. Um, it was this. It was just really nice to hear um, a developer take time to acknowledge something like that uh, and bring uh, light to issues like mental health and uh, mental well being. So. It was really great, and uh, I hope more people check out Celeste as a result. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I thought that was a beautiful moment. I thought the actually the show was was contained several beautiful moments. I actually thought it was pretty cool having the heads of all the three major platforms come out on stage together and kind of you know present a a unified message of togetherness and and this whole idea of console wars. You know, maybe kind of burying that a little bit. I, I thought that was a really smart, strong thing to do for the, for the show. And kind of uh, one of those moments that sticks in your memory. And, you know, I thought uh, there were a number of games that were kind of underdogs that managed to win Um, Florence winning best mobile game. I thought was pretty amazing over Fortnite and PUBG on mobile. Uh, I thought dead cells winning uh, best action game was pretty cool. Um, So, you know, go ahead. I say return of the Obra Dinn taking home best art direction as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've really derided these awards for being a popularity contest more than more than uh, other awards, I think. But this year proved me wrong, and I have to eat a little crow on that. And I thought overall, a really strong set of winners and a really strong uh, presentation overall. All right, so let's get to the juicier stuff, though, which is uh, all of the numerous game announcements. There are tons to to dive into here and we're not going to be able to talk about each and every one of them dan i wonder if there are one or two that most uh surprised you or or excited you or that you're looking forward to the most you better believe it um well i'd be lying if i said i didn't lose my god my my gosh darn mind when i uh saw marvel ultimate alliance 3 um Mm -hmm. coming to the switch um, I love the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. I really yearn for those halcyon days of couch co-op. Um, yeah. I really love that. And that was one of the best games for that. Um, just It's the first game in this series in nearly a decade. Um, and the fact that this, that Switch snapped it up, it's being developed by uh, Team Ninja, who gave us games like Ninja Gaiden and Neo. Um, I'm just really excited. It's Marvel's first exclusive for the Switch, so it's going to be a pretty exciting title. Um, also, uh, the other one that I was super stoked for, was uh, The Outer Worlds. Yeah, Obsidian's new game. Yes. Yeah, that's the kind of thing coming, that gets you bought by Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, coming coming hot on the heels of Fallout 76's um, sort of rocky entry into the world, yeah. you have the creators of Fallout coming with what looks like the sort of like love child of Fallout, Borderlands, and No Man's Sky. Right, yeah. it really uh, It's really interesting how... Many games are sort of in the post-apocalypse slash uh, future that's not that's sort of cobbled together from spare parts. Uh, but this one did seem to stand out. Obsidian, of course, responsible for Fallout New Vegas, and it really leans into the Fallout, I think, um, template a lot and, and certainly calls it out even in the trailer as uh, the original creators of, of Fallout. 
Um, it looks like that big, sprawling, open-ended, open-world role-playing game that we all want from Bethesda, but Fallout 76 isn't. And it looks like uh, Obsidian is going to be delivering that, but certainly earlier than any of those games are coming from Bethesda in the, in the near future. And correct me if I'm wrong, but and I know that Microsoft bought them and they're not messing with things right now, but it had a PlayStation 4 logo at the end of this trailer, right? Like it's still planned for multi-console? Yeah, it certainly it certainly did, and it certainly seems like uh, whatever the exclusivity contract that that uh, Obsidian entered into with being a first party for Microsoft isn't going to include this game. But maybe that'll change. But at yeah. least uh, in the in the short term, it looks like uh, this game was already in the pipeline and probably uh, isn't un- isn't under the umbrella of that deal, whatever it may be. It's hard to tell by a trailer per se, but this thing looked gorgeous, and it looked polished in a way that I wasn't expecting this first reveal to look. I know New Vegas certainly launched with its share of problems has become a much better game. Um, but I think, I think they were flexing a little bit of a different engine, you know, muscles where it's like, Hey, but that's, has been on this, this engine for forever. Look what we're doing. Like that kept getting close up to character faces. Like I think three or four times in the trailer where it's the quest giver, whoever the narrator is like gets right up in the camera and it's very stylized, but also very detailed. Um, and like the vastness of space, they did a couple of those like whip pan kind of zooms throughout what I'm assuming is a base or fortress or one location that then there are a ton more. I thought it was a very impressive first look trailer for a game that has been long rumored, but to be, sh- you know, shown for the first time in that manner. I thought it was pretty spectacular. It also looks like it has a sense of humor, yeah. which I think all too few games do. And uh, I kind of dig that. Like, it seems like it's really uh, leaning into that kind of um, silliness that we saw from games like Borderlands and, and others. Someone pointed out to me uh, that the Outer Worlds is basically just the thesaurus version of Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. It's really just replacing the word. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> copy my homework, but don't make it too obvious. That's so good. I didn't even realize that, but that is so true. <laughs> Borderlands, Outer Worlds, uh, <laughs> Edge Place. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, that's really great. <laughs> um, I'm also very curious to see what uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, is going to be because, uh, you know, traditionally those those first two games were top-down, isometric uh, brawlers, uh, very fun games, very fun, as you said, couch co-op games. But this seemed to indicate maybe they're going to be a little bit uh, reinventing what, what the game is going to look like and what perspective you're going to play from. Uh, I, I, you can't really tell from the trailer exactly how it's going to play, but it certainly looks like it may mess with the formula a bit. And that's kind of interesting. I, I'm curious as to when we'll find out more about exactly how this game plays. Yeah, I hope it's more akin to good versions. I'll be ambiguous and let you pick which one you think are their good games. Uh, <laughs> good <laughs> games and not some of their not as good games. Um, while I thought, Oh, Fantastic I, Four for the PS1. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought Hyrule Warriors was a very complete package by the time it came to Switch. Um, that's not the style of game that I'd be looking for Marvel Ultimate Alliance to kind of slide into while it is, you know, third person action combat. I, I want a little bit more variety and kind of my move set and i i'm a little hesitant a little nervous that they might take that approach to the game um 
but I'm also the guy that bought the air quote remasters of one and two on PlayStation four the day they came <laughs> out at like $40 each. So I'm buying this game. <laughs> it, it, it is happening. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me how many games uh, going back again to the outer worlds, how many games seem to be uh, talking it's kind of set in the same milieu, you know, this, the same sort of, as I mentioned, the same sort of like cobbled together post-apocalyptic uh, need to leave the planet. Cause bad things happened. We got the yeah, outer worlds. Uh, we got uh, a new far cry, uh, far cry. What is it? New age? New dawn. New dawn, new dawn. Excuse me. Yes. Far cry. New dawn, which is a huge, this, that, that reveal was a huge spoiler for far cry five. It really is funny how they were just like, I guess we're just telling everybody what happens. But I mean, uh, far yeah. cry five came out like four years ago, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, so rage two, there was a big new rage two trailer, which is the same kind of thing. There was a teaser for a game called journey to the savage planet. Mm-hmm. which looks really interesting. We don't really see any gameplay, but it definitely is in the same wheelhouse. Just from the director of Far Cry 4, his new studio. Right, right. Um, I feel like there's one other one that I'm not thinking of that was like in the same sort of weird setting. I just, I, I'm getting a little fatigued by that, I have to say. But, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate. Well, I think um, we talked about this offline, Jeff, but... Uh have the conversation here and maybe loop Dan's uh, get Dan's opinion on it too. I feel like five years ago, everything was Brown and everything was set on, um, you know, a, a planet where things were going bad and now everything is neon and you're moving on to the new planet because everything went <laughs> right. bad. And it's like every developer had the same reaction to the status quo five years ago. And that's how long it takes to make a game. And now they're all releasing their new games and they're like, Oh crap, you guys are doing it also? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like we got we got uh the post apocalypse, but this time it's pink and uh Rage <laughs> 2 is like we got pink and Far Cry New Dawn is like, "Oh, yeah, we also went with pink." <laughs> but, you know, it's cool. It, uh, so many these insanely huge experiences and with for Far Cry New Dawn, it's it seems like it is this sort of uh B-side side project like they've done with um uh, Blood Dragon and some of the other ones before where it's, you know, it's not going to be a $60 game. It's going to be a $40 game comes out in February, sort of right on the heels of Far Cry. So even though it seems like a direct sequel to Far Cry five, it really maybe is positioned as more of an expansion, more of this kind of weird side project that they've done in the past. It, it, and, and that kind of leads me to uh, another of the more interesting games from my perspective is the new game from hello games who did um, no man's sky. And are still doing. I mean, and are still doing. Yeah, and still updating No Man's Sky a lot. Uh, but they're in their trailer for a game called The Last Campfire. They uh, refer to that as a short, uh, a short from Hello Games, like uh, like you might get from Pixar at the beginning of their movies, a short. And I kind of love that that lexicon for it. I love I love the terminology of like, Oh, we're doing a short instead of it being, mm-hmm. you know, some of these companies have strained themselves trying to say, Oh, we're, we're kind of, ha- you know, capturing the indie spirit or we're, we're doing these sort of smaller games. I love it. Let's just call it a short. I think that's kind of cool. And boy, that last campfire uh, trailer was very captivating. I love the music in it particularly. Were you guys, uh, were you guys interested? Yeah, no, the music and the art style. I think it was, uh, they said it was inspired by Pixar shorts. Yeah. 
Um, and it definitely has that feeling. Um, yeah, I agree. You can make a compelling, worthwhile experience that doesn't have to be 60 hours. It's just, I, I hope they price it accordingly. Right. Um, that's usually my biggest gripe with, um, uh, with some of these shorter games sometimes is long, especially I think it's smart of them to come out as such and like advertise it right away. I remember when I bought, uh, gone home, I was like, I feel like I spent a little too much money for, how much gameplay I got. I really liked it, mm-hmm. but um, we, I, I feel like we hold video games to a different metric uh, when it comes to uh, dollars spent for en- uh, entertainment value. Yeah. Yeah. You remember when Hello Games was the Joe Danger studio? It was like the guys who did Joe <laughs> Danger. It was like that yeah. evil Knievel uh, ripoff looking character who's funny and clumsy. And now it's yeah. like Bad. they're making some of the most gorgeous uh, thought-provoking and you know uh, no man's sky isn't thought-provoking in terms of what it asks of you the player but in terms of the type of game it created and wanted to be and now is becoming and now with this the last campfire it looks to push the envelope in a new way it's like i'm very impressed with what that studio is, is putting out and how they kind of pivot from game to game and i know this is not new but it certainly drove home for me the 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 breadth of games that were shown new games new game trailers that were shown really drove home for me the fact that we are in the the age of art direction in video games where the look and feel of things is less dictated by the capabilities of the technology and more about what kind of feeling the designers want to impart uh, through the imagery and, and style of the game. And it is, it's striking to see these games like The Last Campfire, like the new game from uh, Giant Squid, who, who did Abzu, which was a stylized, beautiful, art-directed experience kind of game, uh, Pathless. I was immediately taken by that trailer, this, this kind of uh, strange... Uh, artistic look at, at, you know, you have this eagle and you're kind of moving fast through the forest. It, it, I'm not exactly sure how the game is going to play or what it's going to be because Abzu is, is barely a game. It's more of a sort of a, an experience. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how much game is there or if it is going to just be this artistic experience, but either way, I'm intrigued by what pathless might be. No, I, I definitely think you hit the nail on the head there with um, this sort of, uh, march towards celebrating art direction. Not that, not to say that video games haven't in the past, but especially this new crop of titles that they revealed um, really felt like they were very thoughtfully produced with aesthetics in mind. Yeah. Um, rather than just being like a, uh, a, a conduit for microtransactions or something. Right. Um, yeah. Like giant squid, they've, they've proven they can make these really just sort of absorbing experiences like with Abzu. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by pathless. I was also intrigued speaking of like very fascinating art direction by among trees, that sort of sandbox uh, survival game. It gave me very strong, um, uh, vibes like Campo Santos, uh, firewatch. Um, but this, uh, hopefully this will have a, I I would not, not to be too snarky. I was like a more, I don't think that needs to, I won't feel as disappointed when I'm not like super satisfied with the narrative at the very end. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, Among Trees definitely looked gorgeous. It, it um, I'm, I, I'm just not super into uh, survival games per se, but the, uh, the art direction and that, that this sort of haunting forest feel and that, that, that owl that you see at the very end of the trailer, very beautiful. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, a, an aesthetic that is original. And I think that's to contrast 
what I was trying to point out with like all of the post-apocalyptic neon, yeah. you know, at a certain point, a lot of those games run together, even though they all look pretty cool and interesting because they have this palette that is so similar, they kind of run together. And when you see games like among trees or uh, pathless doing something so different uh, and so beautiful and, and it, it, it'll stick in my head much more and it'll, you know, I just like the fact that, there's such a variety out there. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Well, we can talk about it more too when we talk about games we've been playing. But another one of those that was shown and is now out, but Ashen, yeah. which we had heard a little bit about and stuff before, but it kind of getting its surprise. It was leaked a little bit in advance, but um, it's out now. Go play it now. Release and another just absolutely stunning game with the way it designed the character design and and what static and what kind of animates like they, none of them have faces but really cool like facial hair you can add to the characters and it like flows in the wind and the way the hair moves and their clothes move. Um, absolutely stunning game. Really, really, really good looking game. The, the antithesis of that, I guess, well, not antithesis, it, it, just the, the other side of the same coin perhaps is Mortal Kombat 11. Now we got a uh, brutal, violent new trailer for Mortal oh Kombat 11. I wonder... I suspect it's all pre-rendered, and that's that's not how the game is going to look. But these no, days, that was I'm not two quite people sure. really killing each other. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Christopher Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Christopher, Lambert. poor guy. But you know what? If you got to go, why not go that way? Exactly. <laughs> um, man, it, I I've been really enjoying the last few entries in the Mortal Kombat franchise. Uh, I have such confidence in Nether Realms for for making great games in this in the series i mean injustice 2 is so great they've just been knocking them out of the park lately and they are just completely embracing that in mortal kombat to win you murder people 16 times you don't you don't have to kill them once you murder them again and again and again uh but my goodness if you're into ultra violence they are bringing it it looks like they're bringing it that's what the franchise is known for though right like sure and it's this type of violence that is graphic but also cartoony enough it's like itchy and scratchy yeah yeah and and so it it doesn't have the same level i i i don't pull away from it the same way maybe because a franchise set me up to be that but after mortal kombat was such a hit in arcades there were all these you know also ran games that were gory for gory's sake and tried to be more hyper-realistic with their gore. Like even the original one, that decision, whether it was required or uh, artistic direction of like the huge droplets of blood, you know, splatting out of people. Like, yes, he ripped a spine out of someone but it was like, bloop, bloop, plopping out. And this game too, very graphic, or this trailer, I should say, very graphic, very gory, but yeah, stylized in such a way that it doesn't look photorealistic because I think that would be too much what i loved about this trailer though and um dan i'm curious kind of how it played in the room but it's raiden and scorpion and then defeated and then another scorpion it's like showing the different eras of the same character i thought was a really cool reveal this one when it played in the room people lost their damn minds <laughs> like you could hear people like yelling screaming like in a way that they just simply weren't for 99% of the others. Um, 
Yeah, I I think this one, uh, Marvel uh, Ultimate Alliance three, um, and maybe maybe a Joker from Persona Five yeah. coming to Smash. I think those had some of the biggest reactions in the room. Um, people were stoked for the other stuff, but like Mortal Kombat when Ed Boon came out and that just started playing, you could hear people be like, "Oh my god, what?" and you know that on top of I think I think that followed. Uh, Sonic Fox on stage, uh, yeah. accepting for esports player of the year. And he, um, is an incredible, uh, player of fighting games. In particular, he's like the best player of Mortal Kombat in the world. So I think that was just like adding to the atmosphere. So my question to you guys is what do you want to see out of Mortal Kombat 11? I mean, it, is it enough to just be another entry in a great franchise and have awesome, fighting and a new roster of characters and a new cool story mode and just sort of be the next entry? Or are you hoping that they move forward in some interesting new way? Dan, what do you think? I want, I want HD babalities. That's all. I <laughs> um, a man of simple. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think it's, uh, I think it's important that they, um, if they're going to put out a new fighting game, like a, a new mortal Kombat, it needs to be worth it. It needs to have like, us like enough of a enough of a hook i'd love to see them like add more more modes maybe um like have a robust story mode in addition to online like ultimately people are coming to it for versus for competitive fight like playing against each other um i'd love to see them add some new characters to the mix but also have all of our favorites it's it's one of those things where it's a familiar franchise they haven't annualized it like a fifa or a madden so i don't feel as bad when i uh purchase the next iteration I'm just hoping that uh, they add, there's enough new stuff in there to make it worthwhile for longtime fans and enough to maybe sway people that have sort of fallen off the wagon uh, to come back into the fold. Injustice 2 introduced uh, loot and costume pieces and, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, actually adding bit by bit to the costume. Exactly. And, and I thought that was really cool, but I, I couldn't help but feel a little hampered by that IP. Like you don't – want to go too far afield uh, of these iconic superhero looks when you're adding gear. I mean, they kind of did, they made it their own and they really went for it and I, it worked out really well. But I think with the the roster of Mortal Kombat, they could go even farther with that and you could get to some really wild costume looks and cool, um, you know, rare items that you can loot and find and add to characters, weapons and stuff that I think would be really fun. And the aesthetics on these uh, sort of like on this loot could be awesome too, just like based on what they've already established in terms of MK's art direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I hope that they do that. I think that that's what I would guess where the game is going because Injustice 2, it worked out so well. And I, I think, I mean, I liked that element of Injustice 2, but um, you know, and they've been doing such a great job with the storytelling in their games. I, I have no doubt that the story is going to be wild and fun and interesting in a single player mode. But Christian, is there anything else that you would look for from a Mortal, Mortal Kombat 11? I mean, I think you nailed it, right? I want them to keep doing what they've been doing, which is they alternate between Mortal Kombat and Injustice. And each time the next one comes out, it takes the great parts of the last one and then adds one or two new features. So I want them to take the gear 
and the towers and and that outside of the story campaign the stuff that they did you know the gear grind um for lack of a better term from injustice 2 and bring that into mortal Kombat. and then i want them to add something new and fun and silly to it and i would love it if they look to mortal Kombat's history in terms of silliness like that doesn't need to be super involved but i think it'd be really fun to see their version of battle chess come back or just like i don't think they ever did bowling but they did kart racing like they've done so many zany things over the years i'd love to see them take one of those and kind of update that put a new spin on it and see what they could do now i feel like they've been having a lot of fun with their dlc characters um, mm, at least right. with the uh, previous Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So I, I, maybe they'll choose some like wacky things. Like Chucky has a new movie coming up. Maybe they'll get Chucky for uh, as like a fighter for the next one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be funny. Yeah, they did such a great job with Injustice Two with that with the Ninja Turtles and uh, oh, those characters. Are, I need to play more of them. They're so, so that game's so good. good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, also, uh, we got a teaser for Dragon Age Four, which did we? Nobody thought nobody was surprised because <laughs> we knew a new Dragon Age was coming uh, and we knew a cheat teaser for it was coming. It, it isn't anything, right? It's it isn't anything. What's, it's not even a better? really a logo. Yeah, what's better? That Dan, what's better? Dragon Age four or Metroid Prime four? Like what's the better reveal? Just the logo like drawn in Word or the really cool rendered animated crest? I don't know. <laughs> like I'd rather I'd rather just see the logo. Like <laughs> Truly, like the this hashtag about like don't trust the spooky wolf or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, how how crazy is it that the the most exciting thing of that trailer is the hashtag? <laughs> yeah, it was just like it took me a second to be like, this is Dragon Age, right? Like, okay, yeah. okay, we're good, we're good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I, I guess people need it, need it to well, uh, be Diablo. Excited. I mean, BlizzCon says you need it. Right in some form uh, of fashion. Dragon Age Immortal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? I, they needed it because they were worried about the backlash from Anthem. Maybe I don't know. What did you guys think of the new Anthem trailer? Uh, and could you tell that it was not Destiny? I could tell it wasn't Destiny because they told me it wasn't before it started playing. Shrewd uh, uh, of them. Yeah. Also, it, it feels like the thing I, I've noticed about Anthem so far is it feels. Um, more grounded and less innately silly than Destiny does. Yeah. Um, because there's no like murder robot voiced by Nathan Fillion having a blast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm uh I'm intrigued by Anthem. I want it to be good, but I'm not like putting all my eggs in that basket because I Destiny wasn't Destiny isn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, it's just not what I want from a, from a shooter or from an RPG or an MMO. Um, but I appreciate, I understand why people dig it. It just wasn't what I wanted. So I'm worried that that will be the same case with Anthem. Well, if somebody told me, how would you change destiny to make it more a game you want? I think the first couple of things I would do would be put it into third person and make me able to fly. So you know, they're on the right track for a game that I that I would be way more interested in and excited for. Um, and I I got to go to a, a, a presentation that they did with that trailer and, and showed some more gameplay about it. it. It really very much is their destiny. I mean, it's it's really at, at a certain it's point. It's their hard destiny. To, <laughs> it's hard to distinguish those games from a certain perspective. I mean, there's a there's a point after which that trailer 
would be indistinguishable from a new destiny trailer for me. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I, I commented to somebody that I feel like halo sort of broke, uh, future games, a little bit sci-fi, uh, military shooters. I mean, we're talking about a sort of, um, similarity that's getting a little tired in this post-apocalyptic thing, but the, the battle armor, all these games, battle armors are starting to look very similar. And I wish somebody yeah. would really break away from that and do something very, very different. But uh, it's, it's a shame to me that those games, like the destiny armor and the Anthem armor and the halo armor and all of it all sort of is the same stuff. And I think there's a lot of room to, to differentiate yourself as a video game and none of them seem interested in doing so. Uh, but I do like the fact that they frame the game as superheroes. Like they talk about it as like you get superhero armor and you get to do superheroic yeah. stuff. And it's like we set out to make Iron Man the game where you play with a bunch of other Iron Mans. Uh, and, and that's cool. I'd be into that. I think uh, I find it interesting that what was it last month? I don't, maybe it was yesterday. This year has been uh, I don't know when things happened anymore. But Activision coming out and saying that Destiny Two has not lived up to their expectations, and you know financially and what they needed and want it to be. And meanwhile, here EA is by all accounts making Destiny. So I'm curious if they have you know found the secret sauce for the thing that will make it meet their financial expectations, whether that's spending less money on it, lowering expectations, making a game that has solved that kind of end game loot grind content. I know the friend of the show and, and friend Anthony Taramina has been back on that destiny Two grind pretty hardcore recently. So there are definitely people that are loving that game and forsaken is the best version of it. So if Anthem can launch as forsaken or what was the great destiny for, uh, Forbidden King? Forsake, I Forsake, it was Forsaken King. King? Yeah, something it can't King. be Forsaken. Bad, bad. I think it's Spooky Wolf King. <laughs> Got it. The The good expansion for Destiny 1 and the good expansion for Destiny 2, I'll just say, put them that way. If Anthem can launch as that, I think it's going to do very well. The problem that these games seem to have is these games as service, play them forever games, often don't launch where they need to be to live forever. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this from that Q&A that I was in with the the leads of um, Anthem. One of the things that stood out to me from that Q&A was that they were very explicit in saying, we are not making a game where you play through it. Then a new big DLC comes out and you play through that. And then you wait until the next big patch or uh, expansion comes out and you buy that and you play through that. That's not the game we're making. Uh, we are making a game where there is constantly new things to do all the time. So I'm very curious as to what that exactly means and what what their roadmap is to have a constantly evolving game world. Uh, they say that there is a story that ships with the game that has a beginning, middle, and end, but hmm. then you're not waiting for an ex- expansion. You're not waiting for the Forsaken, for example, of Anthem to have that story continue or change that there is stuff happening all the time and they're constantly adding new content. So that's big talk. And a lot of companies have said that, and it'll be interesting to see how that actually, uh, when the rubber meets the road, how that actually plays out. But yeah, you know, it's an interesting philosophy uh, at least. Yeah. I, I think that's the promise of that. Plus um, the promise of Bioware's storytelling, which is, for many gamers, myself included, like why I love Bioware. It's like 
if I see a Bioware game coming out, it's because I and I, I want to get it because I know it's a strong story driven piece of content. And I think that is giving it the edge for me over a game like Destiny or Destiny Two. Not not a knock against Bungie. I just think that Bioware has a handle on that sort of grandiose uh, storytelling a little bit better um, in a way that is sort of like conducive to my play style. Mm-hmm. And I think with this, if they can learn lessons from uh, games like Final Fantasy XIV or Realm Reborn, um, or even like World of Warcraft when they would roll out um, sort of... Uh, I, I'm, I'm This is dating myself here, but uh, I remember when uh, they first... At, it was early days of Burning Crusade when they were opening the gates of Encourage, and it was this big server-wide event that everyone had to like deal with. And it, like when it opened up, it like totally reshaped how... Uh, like the power structures were yeah. and open up a new dungeon and be created this race. So I think that they can create in-game moments like that, where it's essentially the same as adding a patch that'll add new content in, but roll it out in such a way where it feels like an extension of the story rather than just like, Hey, suddenly there's a bunch of new quest markers. Right. I hope well, they learned from sweater, right? I mean, they've, they've done this online MMO classic MMO world before with their star Wars game. And I think they did a lot, right and a lot wrong in that game. It's certainly gotten better, as these games always do. But I feel like the pieces are out there that if anyone can do it, I'm pretty sure Bioware is capable of putting this all together and making this thing that's really special. But also, apparently, putting those pieces together is very difficult. It's it's not putting together a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, and I will tell you, I mean, straight up from what they said and what what I saw... uh, it's not going to do what, what sweater Swotor was, was doing, which was like telling you stories, letting everybody in the party vote and change, have big changes, big swings of they're not doing that with this game. Um, it, it, it is, I'm very confident in saying that it's going to play like a single player game when you're at your base and a multiplayer game when you're doing quests and the quests are going to be group up with people. I mean, you can play it single player, if you want, but it is intended to be group up with three other dudes or dudettes and go out there and uh, blast stuff and then come back to your base. And that is where all the story content happens. That's where you can affect things and change stuff and decide how things are going to go. But it is in your little partitioned world that's only happening locally on your console and then when you go out into the big wide world, that's all shared content and hmm. you're, yeah. So it's, it's a single player game that then every quest is a multiplayer game. Interesting. Yeah. I, I can respect that. It reminds me a little bit of Monster Hunter World and how they segmented. Yeah. Uh, RPG of the year, 2018. <laughs> oh, you better believe it, baby. Oh, by the way, it was the Taken King. The oh, Taken yes. King, not Forsaken King. Taken King and yes. now is the Forsaken. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. He was Forsaken for Destiny 2. <laughs> Uh, I, w- I like the Breakin' King Electric Boogaloo. That's what we're looking forward to. Um, oh, you mean Vin Diesel? <laughs> uh, we got lots more to talk about, guys. It has been a, uh, a jam-packed week. We're going to try to fit as much of it in as we can. But I have to fit in also our sponsor, which is Brooklyn. And oh, my gosh. When I have a long week, like I have had uh, this and every week of 2018, uh, one of my favorite things to do is sleep. And I sleep so much better because I have brick linen sheets. I really do. I have them on my bed. It's funny. Last night, um, my wife said something. I was like, I have to remember to say this when we talk about brick linen. We, <laughs> she got into bed at, last night and she goes, I love bed. 
<laughs> and <laughs> I think that uh, she loves our bed because it is uh, got Brooklyn and sheets on it. We, I really do have these are the best sheets I've ever had, and it's because uh, they are luxurious. They feel amazing when you slip in between these sheets, especially when they're freshly laundered. Oh my, oh my, does it feel nice? It is the best sheets I have ever had in my life, and uh, they are not expensive. They're not as expensive as you might expect for luxury sheets. And that's because Brooklinen works directly with manufacturers and then directly with customers. They don't have middlemen. They don't uh, have to have the markup of all that other stuff. You just go buy it online. It goes right to you. They're, they're really cool looking. Uh, my wife had a lot of fun picking out the style that we were going to go with because they have a lot of varieties. We went with these cool uh, white and gray stripes that I, I really like. goes with our room well. They also have towels and robes and candles and sleep masks. They do all kinds of stuff to make your sleep better because we spend a third of our life in our beds. So uh, why not have the best possible sleep? And we're going to hook you up. Uh, these are the best, most comfortable sheets that I've ever slept on and we're, they're giving an exclusive offer just for DLC listeners. You get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Lifetime, lifetime. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code D-L-C. Brooklinen, the best sheets ever. All right, guys. Uh, we won't spend too much time on uh, the kind of funny game showcase, but uh, well, can they I had... Two, two quickies still from Game Awards? Oh, sure. Time sorry. On. Sorry, Christian. Go ahead. I think uh, I scrolled through the list and I saw it won best ongoing game, but I thought Fortnite's creative mode, which was announced before the Game Awards, but also given a big unveiling at the Game Awards, looks incredible. And I think could not that that game needs new life breathed into it, but <laughs> I think it could really give that continue to give that game legs. And also we kind of talked around it, but I also feel like the Game Awards was the Epic Game Store's coming out party in a big way with Ashen previously yeah. announced to be um cross play or play anywhere on xbox and pc and then now it's currently i forget how long but exclusive only on the xbox on the epic game store and a few other games too coming out with epic game store exclusivity and the big thing there is the developers get a bigger cut a bigger percentage of um money spent on games but it also looks like if you cross shop some games a few games are a little more expensive that are on both stores. Um, but I know, Jeff, when you were browsing the Epic Game Store, you came away pretty impressed by it, right? Yeah, and I think this is going to... Mean, they, they're, they're, coming, they're coming for Steam. I mean, this we're really going to finally get actual competition in this space because Steam has really shrugged off the attempts, the numerous attempts from Microsoft and others to encroach on, on their... I wouldn't say monopoly, but their... Uh, huge presence in the PC video game space. And Epic not only has the expertise and it's, it looks like the wanna, they also got the the cash. They got the this huge, huge deep pockets that can let them, uh, you know, lose money on this thing for a long time if, if that is the case and really, uh, you know, create some, some big deals with some big games. Um, and maybe even uh, figure out ways to leverage their presence uh, with Fortnite and, and other stuff 
to get this on more people's PCs. So I, I think I think you're going to see the Epic Game Store really make a mark and uh, you know eat into a little bit of of Steam's presence on PC. And uh, I think that's only good for consumers. I think that, I mean I, I know it's annoying sometimes to have your game library bifurcated uh, or, or I think you know, more so your friends. Yeah, that too. Your yeah, friends and your voice chats. Like Dan and I can play, you know, like are we gotta be Steam friends, uh Epic Game Store friends, Xbox friends, just because we're playing Forza, um Counter Strike and Fortnite. It's you know or you use Discord, right? Like that's the other Yeah. I feel like most folks these days, if they like want to talk while playing a game anyway, they're just gonna use Discord. Like if it, it unless they have a well-established group and they're part of like a big steam group, then they'll use that. But I feel like if they're going to be jumping around between games and a play session, they're just going to hop on discord anyway. Cause it's all free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think Dan about? Cause Epic also has their engine, the unreal engine. Valve certainly has yes. their engine as well, but it was never as ubiquitous as unreal is. How do you think that leverages into the Epic game store and kind of their potential stranglehold on, on video games? I think they can leverage that in a way that will give them access to so many more up-and-coming indie developers because if you incentivize them, hey, if you use the Unreal Engine, and we will give you like a better, and we're already going to give you a better rate than Steam will, maybe they can like subset, like make the, the monthly fee or whatever it is a little bit cheaper if there's anything they use for the tool set. I think it's free to use, but maybe there's whatever they... I'm sure they can offer some sort of incentive to like, hey, go with us first. Maybe we'll get you premium placement. I'm sure there's a way they can make it a tastier uh, prospect for these talented indie devs, which is a big reason why Steam is so popular because people not only want the AAA titles that they are going to pick up regardless, but they also want to find these like cool indie titles that have really flourished on platforms like Steam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Make a lot of good points there. I, I, I think it's only going to be good things for for the consumers, and I'm very curious to see how this how this pans out. If it put pressure on Steam in interesting ways, if they are sort of motivated to to get their act together on some stuff, and um, you know, I'm I'm very curious because there hasn't been a contender like this uh, up to this point. So I'd also read that some of the things the Epic Game Store is doing are things that developers had asked Steam to do, and the, right. I don't know if Steam didn't or couldn't, but I remember saying didn't like... Didn't care to, maybe. Yeah. Like forums, apparently devs, you have the option on the Epic Game Store if your game has a forum there or not, because we've certainly all seen, or I have, I don't want to project on everyone else, but seen forums <laughs> get toxic on the Steam page, and so then the game oh, yeah. has its official forums, but then they also need to spend time moderating the Steam forum, and you know, that's real work that somebody's out there doing. So I think it's it's a nice option that if you don't want to have a community uh, talking about your game on a storefront, like imagine in the old days, you had to like, hey, will you go down to Best Buy? We got a group of kids sitting on the back curb trashing our game. <laughs> they're just they're just talking a lot of smack about our LCD TVs. <laughs> and, and also, like, they're just saying some racist stuff every now and then. You got to shut this conversation down. You got to like drive to the store to be like, hey, come on. We're a game. Stop it. <laughs> hey, delete that. <laughs> but that's real work. So I think it's that kind of stuff too. It'll be interesting to see how they leverage giving developers what they want a storefront to be when there's it another seems, big kid. It seems like it's working so far in that I, I read a headline. Um, I forget what outlet put it out, but they're saying that some developers are either canceling their Steam releases hmm. or delaying them in favor of putting them on the Epic Games Store. Hmm. 
because they're like, well, they are incentivizing us to go here. So yeah, of course we're going to do this. Steam's not, you're not playing ball. Why would we, why would we take the financial hit when it's already can be such a tenuous prospect? Well, uh, in any other week, I think we would have spent a lot of time on the show talking about uh, all the announcements at the kind of funny game showcase. Uh, But it's such a jam packed week. We're not going to have too much time to talk about it, but I do want to, mention a couple of things it, it you know it was cool to see a friend of the show greg miller and his his crew at uh, kind of funny do uh i think a really fun love letter to games to game developers and really to the indie community more than anything else uh it was it was, this was a wall-to-wall indie game showcase <clears throat> they had over 60 games that they showed off so it, like i said there's no way we're going to be able to to talk about even a tiny fraction of them. But um, I wonder if you guys had any takeaways, any games that stood out to you from the kind of funny game showcase that you maybe caught or are looking forward to. Um, Dan? Totally. Yeah. One that really stood out to me um, is Vane. Um, mm. It's this game that's coming up for the PS4 January 15th. Um, it's this sort of just like stark, austere looking game where you are a kid who can become a bird and it just looks like a really lovely adventure um and i I just it's another case where i was just taken in by the art direction and uh i can't wait to see a little bit more about it and i want us to wait that long either which is the best part yeah christian you have any uh you have any games that you that caught your eye i mean it was it's been everywhere but Super Meat Boy Forever continues to look incredible to me, so I know I'm shining the light on the game that doesn't need its <laughs> doesn't need light shown on it anymore. But every time I've seen that game and had time to play it and go hands on with it, it I think it could be something really special in that genre, but also within the air quote always runner, you know, constant runner genre as well. Kind of how it's tweaking that formula, and um, those trailers always have such personality behind them. Uh, so I'm still. Very excited for Super Meat Boy. What about you? Uh, a game called Operencia: The Stolen Sun uh, is right up my alley. It kind of looks like a uh, inspired by the old games of my youth, like Eye of the Beholder and Ultima Underworld. Uh, games, it's sort of first-person party games, kind of how uh, Bard's Tale Four was this year. And I, it looks really cool. It looks like a game I'm really going to love. Uh, funny title, Operencia. Stolen Sun, but a cool trailer. But honestly, the biggest thing that came out of that whole thing that got me so excited is that Slay the Spire is coming to Switch on uh, uh, in 2019. It didn't say when exactly in 2019, but oh my goodness, I love Slay the Spire so much, and I've wanted a portable version of it. I really thought it was going to come to mobile. Uh, it hasn't yet, but it's such a simple game. I feel like you could do it on iOS, no problem. But my gosh, putting it on my Switch, I will be very. Yeah, that's very gonna happy. be that's gonna that. be a plus for long flights. Oh yes. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, that game. I was telling Christian. I was just saying this to you earlier this week uh, that I could just play that game. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Slay the Spire. I could just like pour all the hours, all my free hours into if I if, if they were like. You can only play one game and it has to cost less than $10. I'd be like, well, I could just take play the Spire and for the rest of my life, go to a deserted island. I'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah, good. there are so many games. So, <laughs> I mean, so that's the takeaway from this week is that there are just so many, too many, too many games. But uh, yeah, but, you know, abundance of riches. We are, we are spoiled. Uh, 
Speaking of too many games, uh, let's get into the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Tons of stuff to talk about this week. I think you have to start with the big dog because Dan and Christian have both been playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Dan, what do you think of Ultimate? I, it's what, what do you want, man? It's more Smash. It's amazing. It's like it, it's it's exactly all right. Moving right. on. It's moving what on. I've been waiting for. Uh, still no <laughs> Waluigi, but like. I, I don't know. It, it's really, I, I like that they have really gone all out um, with uh, the sort of like single player mode uh, in addition to the multiplayer mayhem. I, I mostly. Do you it. understand it? No. <laughs> and I watch a lot of anime. <laughs> I, I love it and I do not understand. I don't understand the mechanics even of like souls and everything. And I also don't understand what's happening. But my God, there's so much of it. I saw someone on Twitter saying that Sakurai is someone who seemingly, based on the mechanics in here, really loves mobile games, but hates the <laughs> idea of charging people money to play mobile games. So you just pay one upfront fee because then you get like all these like time locked characters and like the gotcha phone feature. And like there's so much stuff going on, uh, it, it, like so many weird mechanics at play uh, that would you could charge someone like out the butt for if you were like uh, making a mobile game for iOS, you're like, oh, if you want to use this character, uh, why don't you pay us a couple dollars? But yeah, right. uh, Sakurai is just like, no, I just, I just really like these mechanics, and um, just pay once, and you're good. Uh, Christian and I work work in an office that that uh, is full of people who were very much anticipating this game, and on uh, release day, <clears throat> we, everybody was was eagerly anticipating the delivery of of the physical version and the. Uh, TV was moved out into the communal area and everybody <laughs> sat around. I mean, these are like people who were freaking out, super excited about smash. And all I heard over and over <laughs> and over again, the quote that just kept repeating from all of these super smash brothers fanatics was what's even happening right now. <laughs> what's going on? What's, what? What's that? What's happening? And I'm like, I've never heard a, a group of people more excited about something that they just don't get. Uh -huh. <laughs> it is a phenomenal game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let people in on a little secret here that I've been keeping for my whole life. So I'm gonna peel back the curtain. I am not, nor have I ever been a professional Smash Brothers player. There, it's what? out. Whoa. Yeah, it's out. I know. I I know it's out. So I say that to say the next two things I'm gonna say. This is the best Smash ever made. It literally has everything in it. It also has GameCube controller support if you want it. You have everything in this game. The thing that's going to discredit everything else I say about this game is that I reconfigure my controller to be jump is B and attack is, what is that, Y and then X. I, I go across, attack, super, jump is B in the middle. Uh, I play on a pro controller. So I am a garbage person. And I say garbage things. You don't need to listen to anything else I say. But this game, it is absolutely incredible. The only nit I will pick with it, um, and I know ARMS had this. I love that the way you unlock the characters. I loved that with Street Fighter Alpha, what was it, 3 or 2 on PlayStation. I loved it with Marvel vs. Capcom series. 1996? Is that what you're referencing? Yeah. I, yeah I okay. 
I love that version. I love what NetherRealm has done with single-player fighting games, but I really like this. You play the game. You unlock the character. You get so excited because you have... you can find, I can play as Bayonetta now. I knew she was in the game, and I've played for four hours, and I haven't been able to play as her. Now I get her, and I can play her, and this is so fun and so so, so cool. And then by playing with Bayonetta, you're like, oh, my God, I just unlo- unlocked... Um, name any other character. Simon Belmont. Oh, my God, I get to play Simon Belmont. And you're, it's, it's so euphoric. It's so awesome. But... It kind of sucks when you sit down with a group of friends and you only have eight characters to play as. So ARMS <laughs> had a secret tournament mode where you could unlock everything. And I, I, I wish Smash had that. And I wish it was like a secret mode. So I wish well, you could maybe turn that on. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's it is. Super secret. Oh, you didn't, super uh, secret. You didn't get the Game Genie for Switch? <laughs> <laughs> no. Damn it. Uh, I, I wish it had that, but I do wish it was partitioned off. Because if it was just an option to unlock all songs, you know, like rock band kind of thing, unlock all characters, I would do it because I'm a garbage person and I have garbage thoughts. Uh, <laughs> give me the power, I will turn it. I will use it. Even though I love unlocking characters, but it does suck to sit down with friends and not be able to play as Snake. Oh, I want... Do you have Snake yet, Dan? I don't have Snake I yet. I do not have Snake yet. Oh. But this <laughs> game's great. It's... it's it. it it all is centered around Smash Brother mechanics, so it's not like... And there's a kart game in it. You can play Mario Kart. But there's so much in this game, and what this game further reinforces in this game, and I say pretty much almost every other Nintendo game that's come out on the Switch, including Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, it really shines a light on how lacking ARMS was. ARMS mm-hmm. was a really cool, interesting game that just there wasn't enough there there. And with every other game that is that could just be one thing, like, you, you can fight... They stuff so much into these games. Mario Kart, which you know carried over, Splatoon Two, Smash, even, even Mario Tennis Aces. Yeah, yeah, so much. And this, this, I, I honestly, Dan, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, you'll find out. <laughs> oh, will I? Will I find out what I'm doing? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a game that is exactly what they said it was, and what they said it was was everything, and it's. It's one of those games where it's like, you don't really need to review it because all of the information that we knew before it came out is accurate. It's just, it's like, that's, everything is in it and it plays like you want it to play. So yeah, if you want Smash Brothers, buy this. Did you like the last Smash Brothers? Did you like any Smash Brothers ever? Then you will yeah. like this game. If not, right. you already know you don't want to play it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. It is as advertised, uh, and and that's a good thing. It's, it's literally it's, advertised as everything. It's like, <laughs> right. features the canonical death of Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we never need to talk about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate again on the show. Though that's uh, that's a good. But one for, for me. real though, the nostalgia, the it looks beautiful. The attention of detail to the stages, the way some you know recreate and update, but smartly so, but maintaining a this looks old feel of the old stages, um, the way the levels kind of fall apart and reconstruct. It's been in the franchise for forever, but it's so smartly done, and it really is. It, it's everything from every game done as you remember it or better, which is really hard to do. You've certainly seen games. I mean, look how bad. Tony Hawk HD was back on last gen yeah. and all that had to do all they had to do was HD Tony Hawk <laughs> <laughs> and they messed that up uh, we just couldn't get Christ air in 4k <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I I uh I gotta say that uh I mean I'm we get this question a lot from 
every now and again. I, that's not a lot. I, we get a question every now and again of like, what's the franchise you wish that you like wish that you were into? This would be a good answer for me. I, I just never been into Smash Brothers. I look at it from afar and I envy people that are in it, into it to a certain extent, but it does nothing for me. And I, it's fine. That's fine. Not every game is for every person. I look at Mortal Kombat 11. I'm like salivating. I can't wait to play that. I love fighting games of a certain ilk. But when it, whenever it was, whatever year it was that the first Smash Brothers came out, little me set, looked at it and went, all I'm doing is working to knock someone off of a ledge. I'm not going to play that. And, oh, and that, that decision has stuck with me and I just can't get it out of my head that, uh, you know, defeating someone is just whittling them down until they can't not fall off a ledge. It just, it just doesn't That's, do anything. It's a good metaphor yeah. for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I've fallen off the ledge. That's the problem is that it's, I've been whittled down. Someone's, to the point someone's just edge guarding you, wave dashing every time. <laughs> yeah. It's, tough because it is so frenetic and hectic and it's easy to be like where am i what am i doing what's happening but the strategy as dan mentions two of the common strategies in the game are there and real and deep and like if you watch the pro play where the audience goes absolutely bananas are things where someone has like you know 250 percent or something like that and they beat someone who's only at 70 percent and like the way that you can come back it's not like i'm making up numbers obviously it's not a guarantee ring out um because you are once you hit 100 you die which so many other fighting games right you get that health bar down all the way and that's the end and smash the room for the miracle in miami i guess jeff as you mm-hmm. opened the show um they're all over the place and the way characters move and the weight behind them like playing fox versus samus versus kirby or mario um and the damage that can be done with their attacks and the time it takes you know after you do uh, you know like your super um extra jump to get back on the stage you're not able to do anything else after that you're just falling down back to the platform and how people can play with the various characters it's uh it easy to get distracted even harder to master it's it's a phenomenal game so what else is on your playlist dan um i have been traveling a lot lately and that means i've been playing my switch a lot and i've been playing uh the latest entry in one of my favorite game series called valkyria chronicles specifically valkyria chronicles 4 yeah Uh, either of you guys familiar with this have you played any of them before i haven't played four yet but uh i very much loved the first game and the second game i didn't really play the third yeah it's uh it's an awesome tactical role-playing game series, um, sort of set in this alternate re- like it's like kind of like an alt history. Uh, you are taking part in the Second European War, and you're on the side of uh, uh, the Federation fighting back against like the evil Empire. Um, and you're you like play this tank commander commanding a squad of people all from this hometown. Um, and it's just a really addictive game with sort of uh, anime style visuals and. Um, kind of sometimes cheesy, but mostly fun storytelling. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, character development and like side missions and the, the core mechanics of it, like in between battles, you go through all these cutscenes and like, uh, sort of world building moments and character building moments, but the battles, um, you have like a movement bar and once you deplete it, then you can't move anymore, but then you can take an action. And it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's filling the, the hole in my heart that XCOM left behind since I beat XCOM 2. Um, hmm. So it's just a really nice uh, tactical RPG. It's not the most challenging game in the world. Some missions like suddenly ramp up in difficulty, but it's just a very addictive uh, and fun way to spend your time if you were looking for a good strategy RPG. 
and great that it's on the Switch yes. because uh, those games are the you know turn based kind of deal. Yeah, it's on for that. Platform. It's on all platforms. It's on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and uh, PC as well. I just like it for the Switch because it sort of lends itself well to that, like you said. Yeah, um, that's Valkyria Chronicles Four, yes. and uh, you've also got Red Dead Redemption Two on your list. Are you have you finished your your journey through the West? Or are you still? Uh, I have not finished. I am I am knee deep in horse blood and whatever else is uh, currently on <laughs> Arthur Morgan's coat. Um, I am loving the I'm loving the heck, I'm loving the it heck out of uh, Yeehaw Skyrim. It is a blast. Yeehaw uh, Skyrim. It, All right. Yeah, it, it, it's. I have my issues with the game, mostly in its uh, sometimes tedious mechanics. Um, uh, it's in its commitment to realism. Like, I think they have uh, overlooked how much of a pain in the butt it is to like have to manually open every drawer and search every drawer. And like, it, it's sometimes like picking stuff up can like the way it targets items can be a little frustrating. But these are minor. You're finding it in drawers and not apples and trash cans that restore your health, like so many games. Hey, I, I appreciate a good uh, floor sandwich, a la Bioshock Infinite, <laughs> or a turkey out of a trash can as yeah. you brawl down the street. Exactly, mm, to go meat. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I'm glad we've we've had uh, we've had people on the show who have been much more measured in their praise of the game. I'm glad you're like full throated. You can just say uh, you, Jeff, you can just say you No, but other people too. That's the problem <laughs> is that people have been agreeing with me and I, I, uh, I, and no Christian is, has been much more enthusiastic about the game and it sounds like you are, you just straight up love it. Yeah. I, I, I acknowledge that it has many faults, um, but I'm able to overlook them because I'm just having a good time exploring. That's awesome. Yeah. Christian, have you put more, any, any more hours into it? I, I some uh, this past half week and weekend, my wife was out of town, so I was like, "Oh, it's me in the Wild West." But then apparently, Smash came out, and Ashen came out, and Just Cause Four showed up at my door, and the Devil May Cry Five demo got surprise launched at the Game Awards. I don't know if either of you played that. This is a, a long way of saying I have not played much more Red Dead. Still love it, but uh, I did play that Devil Devil May Cry Five demo three times. Really nice. <laughs> it's really nice. Um, uh, I don't remember four. <laughs> I also like DMC, but I also have Bayonetta one and two, I think multiple times. I love this genre of game and to have it go back to that while well, DMC was really fun and I really liked it. It definitely did not play the same as the others or Bayonetta and this from the demo, which I, I believe was the same demo they had at Gamescom. I think is what I read. So it's been out there for a while. Um, it, it's it's Devil May Cry. Like the tagline is Devil May Cry is back. Yeah, Devil May Cry is back. It's a short demo. It's not super long. You're playing as um, Nero and he has his Devil Breaker arm, which is a mechanic I didn't quite understand. Basically in 4, I believe it was called the Devil Bringer and it was like his leash that he could grab and pull people close to. And I think at the bigger enemy, enemy, enemy it would zoom you to them uh the one of the devil breaker arms does that it's it's basically that kind of thing but they can change in and out they also destruct very easily so it's kind of like um, a secondhand weapon basically and think of it as ammo like your arm doesn't blow off but it's 
you'll use it. If you're using it and you get hit, you lose it, but then you can pick them up because they're just arms. <laughs> you have to reload throughout. your arms like you're Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. Um, no, you do not have to reload your arms. They kind of switch. It's a quick switch, but you're not carrying tons of ammo, at least in this demo. Um, but it's that same move speed. Like you, you hit the analog just a little bit and you're off and running, you know, it's ta, 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 like on your toes with the wind blowing past you, um, the revolver, the big sword. And then it ends with the boss fight that I think shows a lot of promise for what this full game could be, where you start off, uh, you're in a church or something. I don't know. You're in a devil may cry interior location, right? <laughs> and, uh, you can tell I really don't pay attention to details as I replay <laughs> things. I'm playing for the mechanic, for the for the brawling, for the fighting. Yeah. But you're into this building, and you smash out, and then you're in, smash through a floor, and you're going through like three or four locations that you're taking on this huge beast that has like a regular head, but also a fire belly mouth that opens up and attacks you. It's um, it felt really good. It played really well. It looks pretty. So that's my way of answering your Red Dead question, Jeff. Did that answer it? Yeah. When does <laughs> when does Devil May Cry Five come out? Uh, I think April. February. Or- is no, it I don't think it's. Month? I think it might be April or May. Oh, really? That's an early time for a demo. Yeah, uh, March. Cool. March. I'm looking at uh, the internet's telling me March. Mm. All right. <clears throat> so uh, you're really digging that Red Dead then? I do. <laughs> I do still love Red Dead, but I couldn't not play. I couldn't not Christian's, play. Christian's like, I love Red Dead so much that I'm never playing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Going do you know what I don't? <laughs> do you know what I don't like? Too many. I mean, I do, but I don't. I'm a moth to a flame, man. And there yeah. are so many games, and I, just, I cult think I of the new baby, out. yeah, cult of the new. It used to be there's no way I can play all the games. I've accepted that. Now it's there's no way I can play all the games I want to play. Like I legit want to play these games, yeah. and I I can't. I I mean, I'd be happy if I just only had Forza Horizon Four still all year, and I I haven't gone back to that as much as I want. It's uh yeah, even if you go like I'm only gonna play the excellent stuff, dude. It's there's too much excellent stuff. There's too much like this is, you know, 10 years ago, this would be the greatest game ever made. And it's it's like fifth or sixth on my two playlist. You know, I think think Ashen is reviewing at like nines and nine point fives. And I know we both played it. We haven't talked about it yet because it surprise launched in the middle of December. And also there's still Spider-Man DLC I haven't touched. It's like, what the heck? I know. I know. Oh, So what did you think of Ashen? Uh, I probably am like two hours in, and I think it's stunning. Um, it is, if you don't know anything about it, it is Dark Souls-esque mechanics. It's Dark um, Souls light. Yeah, Dark Souls light, where you have a heavy and a light attack on your shoulders in an evade, and they're all stamina-based, so you can't just swing, 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 swing. You have to learn enemy animations and understand the timing and the animations of your attacks. You pick up different weapons. Different weapons are heavier or lighter than others, longer reach, deplete more of your stamina as you swing them. And it's so it's that. And if you die there, you collect a resource. And if you die, it stays on the body where you died. You know, Dark Souls like. Yes, yes. And then so take that and then marry it with the multiplayer of Journey, where you're coming into a game and you can have companions. You can play just straight solo if you want, but you can also you have online and it can be AI controlled and you might not know or other people can come into the game. And the only reason I could tell for sure when there's other people is because I would run around in circles and then they would run around in circles. I'd be like, okay, cool. We're both real people. (laughs) But it's that cool, unspoken, no voice chat gestures. Like I was trying to go do a mission and the other person, we'd run around in circles and they'd run a different way and I'd run a different way. And it'd be like, 
you know, you're at a one lane road and you're both going opposite directions. Like someone's got to move. Instead, you just both sit there with your hand on the horn, you know, like, (laughs) what are we going to do? It's really, I had a really great play experience with random people that I was grouped up with and exploring the world. And there are still, it's a beautiful, big, you go into smaller spaces, but like the big overworld is really cool. I already talked about the stylized graphics, but there's still like the Dark Souls-esque turn a corner scares kind of yeah. moments where I, I came, I'm, I'm outside and I come around a, a cliff area to explore this other, I don't know what, I guess an enclave, whatever it would be, ravine. Uh, and as I come around the bend, there's a thing right there. And it's like, ah! screams right at my face. And it was just like, holy, holy crap. Oh, oh, I got to still fight this thing. Um, it was really fun. And then the bosses, I've, I haven't beat one and took down one. Just awesome fights that I feel like there are multiple ways to play them. I haven't, played them multiple ways but i felt as if there were moments for improvisation so i hope that's true what did you think i like how your turing test is uh does it go in a circle can it go in a circle i must be a human Uh, no (laughs) no robot can do a circle (laughs) not right after i did a circle come on um i i like it as well it it, it does feel like dark souls light it feels like if, if dark souls seemed a little too intimidating or maybe even too dark and i don't know if you played these bosses <laughs> i mean it's hard it's not an easy game um and it's it's brutal as far as you know unforgiving in the same sort of ways in that like you know if you get hit once your half your health can be gone and dude you know, your health doesn't just automatically come back you have to you know drink from your flask or eat fruit or whatever it is um and you know it's it's very much that but it's i really like the aesthetic it's a very unique looking game uh, the world feels a little small-ish. Like, I don't know. You know, it's. I like it a lot. I think it's. I think it's very good. It's. Uh, it's cool because the thing that got me into Dark Souls eventually was the idea of playing with other people. And this game makes you constantly feel like you're playing with someone else, even if the computer is doing it. It. Um, it, it feels like you always have somebody who has your back, which is which is pretty cool in, in a game like this, where it's like, well. I can run away and my little dude will smack him and tank for me or whatever. It's uh, so it's a little more forgiving that way, but um, you know, it, it's maybe going to get lost in a sea of phenomenal and it's just very good, but uh, I like it and I think it's easy to recommend. And if you've already, you know, if you're already a, like an Xbox game pass yeah. subscriber, then there's no reason not to download it. It's, uh, it's really fun. I mean, Dan, what's a, what's a word for better than phenomenal? Cause I think, Again, two hours in. I think Ashen probably is phenomenal. I just think there's phenomenal plus. Like, new, what's new game plus? Like, <laughs> <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um It's uh, yeah, it's it's good. Um, Christian, you also were playing what else on your list? So, uh, yeah, uh, Just Cause Four. Which oh yeah, that other huge game that came out this week. <laughs> Dude, also probably only two hours in that, which you can see why it's only been two hours of all of these games because yeah, I played more Smash. I'm lying. I played more Smash. Um, Just Cause 4 is a game that I think you could have a lot of fun with. Just Cause 4's biggest problem is Spider-Man. We all remember when Just Cause, I think it was 2, came out and you had that zip line and it was like, this is awesome. I feel like Spider-Man. No, you don't. Spider-Man feels like Spider-Man. Just Cause <laughs> feels like this isn't Spider-Man. <laughs> it's really unfortunate because 
that's all I was thinking is that this game's neat. It has all those zany, wacky mechanics where you're tethering balloons onto vehicles and floating them up in the air and blowing everything up behind you. It encourages that in a way. I didn't play much of three because I played it right when it came out and I think it was on PS3 and it was a technical nightmare at the time. But it, I mean, it is continuing right after three. It's just cause four. This is not just cause, you know, new dawn, uh, but it could be in terms of like how the narrative continues. It's like, what's happening? I don't know. Here we go. Um, but it really leans into the fun of those games, which is just destruction, like to advance plot and missions. It'll be like, yo, man, we want to recruit more people for our army. How are you going to do that? I don't know. Go cause some chaos. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, okay. I just go blow crap up. Yeah, dude, blow stuff up. And, and Rico's like, I will blow things up. And that's what you do. Um, but it, it's not as fun as Spider-Man. It looks kind of like how Darksiders 3, it clearly wasn't a last-gen game, but it also didn't look... It's, it's an amazing... I'm, I'm saying games are not up to par because they don't look as good as God of War, Forza Horizon 4, or Spider-Man, which is wholly unfair. But that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and that's the the biggest problem Just Cause 4 has is that it's not as polished, beautiful as those other games. And unless you are just dying for something to play, I think you can do better. Yeah, but did you punch a tornado yet? I didn't get that far. I, I've been chased this by the weather. This game lets you punch a tornado, right? You he get to punch learned, tornadoes? He hasn't learned tornado punch yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned tornado punch and smash. It's real good. It's, it's, a, it's a real good move. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of fun to be had, but for me, I doubt I will play... Um, any more of it. Hey, I need to thank our next sponsor, which is Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace. I love Squarespace. I've been using Squarespace for over a decade now, which is crazy for me to think about, but it's because it's the best. It's the best. If there's any reason for you to have a website, turn your cool idea into a website, showcase your work, blog or publish content, even selling things online, all can be done easily, quickly and look great. With Squarespace, you don't have to hire somebody to make a website. You don't have to stress about it. You can just build it easily using their tools, drag and drop, WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. You just make it yourself, do it yourself. Start with a beautiful template created by their world-class designers and then just drag and drop stuff on. If you want e-commerce, boop, just drop in their storefront uh, module. It's so easy. If you want uh, to move things around, add pictures, add stuff, it's all just intuitive. You don't have to know HTML. You don't have to have a programming degree. It's amazing. And they optimize everything for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to do any of that. Built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. They've got award-winning customer support that you can get to 24-7. So even if you run into any problems, there's no, there's no problems for you. You got somebody to help you. And there's nothing to patch ever. It's all done in the background. You can make it yourself create your website by yourself. And we're going to help. If you go and check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me J E F F S E N T M E all one word. Well, Dan, you had mentioned the hole in your heart uh, that was left from XCOM, and I have been playing something this week that you may want to uh, look into. It's called Mutant Year Zero. 
and it's real good. It's oh, real thank good. God. Thank God. It, it is uh it is definitely an XCOM type game. It's a tactical turn-based uh combat game. But in this really cool fiction, it's very very comic book fiction, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, it says that you you ignored when the ice melted, you said nothing when they dropped the bombs. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Is but, this tomorrow's uh, Washington Post, or what are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 it ha- it's <laughs> takes place tomorrow. <laughs> um, the uh, the the main characters that you start with in your team are a mutant duck and a mutant warthog, I believe. Um, and but everybody's a mutant in this game. When you level up, you get. Uh, points to spend on mutations that give you cool new abilities. For example, my duck got the ability to sprout wings and fly across the battlefield, which is cool, which added movement points for him. Cool stuff like that. The game looks really good. I love the engine. It's a top-down isometric, you know, in the same style as XCOM, but really beautiful. Uh, the, the lighting, you have a flashlight um, and you're like illuminating these forest environments and ice environments and stuff. It's really, really cool. Uh, and I dig the fiction. You've got, you know, this base called the Ark where you can talk to people and level up stuff and, and you know, buy new weapons and upgrades and things. It's, it's very much that XCOM template, but I love that template. I dig those kind of games. I love turn-based games. And uh, the presentation is, is gorgeous and it does something that I don't think a lot of those games do, which is it really relies on stealth. You actually are moving around uh, the environments freeform without needing to do the sort of grid pattern, you know, movement points mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, most of the game, you're just moving your characters around free, and you can actually see uh, sort of Mortal Kombat, or not Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid esque cones of vision on the enemies so as long as you stay away from that you can sneak by things or you can move your guys into position where they can isolate one or more enemies and like pick them off before it alerts any of the others and create different dynamics for when the actual fight starts in earnest and when the fight starts in earnest then you're in that XCOM you know spend action points to move go to cover uh you know, fire and percentage chance of hitting and all the stuff that XCOM does. But I, I really dig the fact that like you can play this as a stealth game too and avoid inter- uh, combat entirely or sneak into things and, and kind of take them down one by one. It's a really neat dynamic that I don't think has, I've seen very often in these kind of games. I don't love it as much as, as like Mario plus rabbits when they did that XCOM, but I like it a lot. I think it's uh, I think it's really well-made and another game that launched this week that's probably going to be overlooked by far too many people, but is excellent, very high quality, uh, and also is on Xbox Game Pass. If you're a subscriber, you get it for free. Uh, also supports ultra-wide on PC, which I like. Um, so, you know, Mutant Year Zero, if you're into XCOM games, really, really should be on your radar. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. get to check that out. It's great. Um, all right, oh, man, we are already running long. Let's squeeze in a little bit of VR talk. Had to have this segment because I want to hear Dan talk about, uh, shadow boxing. 
Um, I want to hear your, I know that you were streaming yourself, punching the air in VR, playing Creed two rise to glory. Uh, how are your arms? Do you have tennis elbow? Are there any problems I, with you? I've got, I've got the puncher's wrist. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, it actually, uh, the range of motion that it needed me to use wasn't too bad. I think, uh, they really tried to make sure that it, it wouldn't, uh, lead to any sort of long-term damage or like injure yourself while playing. Obviously it is nothing, nothing close to actual boxing form as many people in the comments when I streamed with Oculus were like, <laughs> it's not how real boxers do it. Um, excuse me, sir. You are a disgrace to the sport. Um, yeah, I know I'm a disgrace to the sport. Um, it was really, it was surprisingly fun though. Um, in the same vein as like we boxing back in the day, but a little more visceral. Um, it just, it was just a really fun game um especially the pvp mode where you can go head to head with your pals um like they have a fun campaign mode and that's whatever but i think this game would really excel with pvp because the movement looks a little ridiculous sometimes you can have really fun moments where like you can punch someone when they're down it's not going to do anything but it's just a fun way to sort of like dunk on your opponent as a little (laughs) bit of added trash talk um yeah it's uh from servios creed rise to glory um more fun than i was expecting it to be um not like not necessarily the game that you would buy a VR system for, but if you already have, um, if you have like an Oculus or a Vive, then I highly recommend checking it out. One of the things I liked most about it was uh, that it does the Rocky uh, montage. It literally yes. like, like puts you in a montage, a training montage mm-hmm. before fights where you're like, it just like quick cuts you between all these different, and with the music like, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really and cool. Do, and if you if you do better in those training montages, you get more stamina for the fight. Yeah. And, th- and there's really, and they're like kind of challenging. There's a, you know, the, almost like a Simon says type of thing. And then like doing the, the speed bag and all that. It's, it's actually kind of cool. I, I, I thought it was clever. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely worth checking out if you're like at all curious or just want like, and it can be a good workout too. You will have to make sure you get some disinfectant for your uh, headset because you will get sweaty. <laughs> Uh, Christian, we've been putting off talking about evasion. We've been evading evasion for uh, a couple of weeks now, but, um, you have played it now. And what, what do you think of it? You've been playing it on PlayStation VR. I played it on Oculus, but, um, what did you think of it? Yeah. So you mentioned it in, in passing before as we had to, you know, put it off because I hadn't played it last week, but it is, it, it builds itself as a first person shooter bullet hell kind of mashup. And I, I understand where that branding comes from i don't want to say it's not a full bullet hell but it is a first person shooter and on on at least on playstation i was playing seated with the dual shock i know it supports the aim controller i was hoping that you had played it with that um but maybe an oculus are you is it two hands is your shield one hand and your weapon yeah. the other hand yeah so for me playing with my dual shock they are tethered together so oh, the shield is kind of in front of your gun so I imagine for you, and maybe it supports move controllers, which I have, but they don't have charge. Um, I feel like <laughs> it made it less of a bullet hell style game for me because I couldn't be blocking and aiming at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I imagine two-handed, uh, and I watched some video of it, you kind of, you know, sticking one hand up, audio, shield kind of way. and the other hand, yeah. you can be shooting around wherever. Here it's because so many shots are coming at you from the various robots that are firing at you. Um, I was either blocking or attacking and I couldn't do either well when I was trying to do both. So I kind of played it much more akin to a standard first person shooter than I would Mm. have a bullet hell, which are typically 
you know, ship space games where you there's too many bullets on screen and there's always that reward of a better part for your ship if you could just stay alive a little bit longer, but mostly you're kind of avoiding and strategically killing. That element of the game didn't come into play for me because of my control method. Um, that being said, it's... I always wish PSVR had better resolution, but it is a gorgeous game. Very pretty. You're kind of in a, you know, Mars-esque landscape, rocky, um, foreign terrain with buildings, outcroppings in it as you're going through these, I guess, research facility. I think the plot is an AI took over to get some rare mineral or they broke a peace treaty and and now you're fighting back to kind of rescue people. Um, The controls for... What it was is DualShock worked really well. The amount of comfort features. I was using smooth walking, but uh, slightly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pivoting, turning. So turning wasn't smooth, but my walking was. Yeah, that's um, what I tend to use too. It, it'll snap you to like 45 degree increments or something. Yeah, this but, felt like 18 or 25 degree. It wasn't quite at, that severe. Yeah. And then as I walked, started walking faster, it would kind of do what Wipeout does in VR as well, where it kind of like cones around. It creates um, black borders. It constrains mm-hmm. your field of vision a little bit more. And I, I probably played this for about two hours <laughs> as I play all the games I want to talk about. Um and I'd, I'd never felt nauseous at playing it, and that's playing seated as I'm running around this first-person shooter. Um, playing solo, I know co-op is a big part of the game as well, um, but I found that I think as I got through the third level, I think there are nine or 11 levels in the campaign, it started to feel the same. And if you've played more, let me know if I'm wrong, but at no point did I level up or gear up my character. I changed classes. I didn't have to, but I... I picked different classes each level i liked sniper healer mm-hmm. the was my favorite it has like a laser that kind of shoots out and then when you charge yeah. it and upgrade i like that character the best or that class but I, I wasn't unlocking anything so i felt like every level was just a different pretty shooting gallery which is fine i just don't know if i'd get bored come stage 11 or whatever yeah yeah i agree i, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment i think it's really pretty fun as a shoot. It's, it's basically space pirate trainer, but with a story and, uh, and space pirate trainer is super fun. Uh, and this game, I, I like the fact the bullet hellness of it. I certainly felt more as having my hands, each hand independently free to, you know, shoot and block. And there's, you know, bullets slowly coming at me from the left. So I got to reach over there and block that while I'm shooting dudes at the, on the right. And, you know, you're, it's, it's kind of making your brain crazy because there's so much stuff happening on every side of you. And I found that to be really fun. And like you said, it's a, a good looking game. I think the, the design of the enemies and stuff is pretty, pretty good. Um, and you know, it's, it's pretty darn fun. I, I, the, the games that I gravitate toward in VR tend to be more than just shooters, or at least the ones I'm, I'm most excited about. Uh, but as a, just a solid shooter that brings you through a, a story and, and has some intense firefights, I think it's pretty fun. I, I would recommend evasion um, for, for people that like space pirate trainer, if you have VR already or, uh, and are looking for something a little more, a little more depth than that. Yeah, as I'm looking at my move controller, not doing internet research. So do internet research if you think this sounds fun to have two hands and you're playing on PSVR. My gut is that it wouldn't work because I forget that move controllers suck and don't have analog sticks. <laughs> there's, yeah, I don't know no how the movement works. I, I, wonder, I was very curious about that for PSVR, but uh, I wonder how the movement 
works with the move controllers. I bet you can't no. use it. I know it supports the AIM controller, and, and clearly I know it supports the DualShock 4, but my gut, my unresearched gut, is that you can't use moves. But look it up. I'm very glad to hear another game supports AIM because I feel like that thing is under-supported, especially hearing that uh, Borderlands isn't going to support it. it. makes me really sad. It's not? That's what I heard, yeah. That game, God, that game, geez, oh. Okay, so Below comes out next week. Yeah. Uh, Borderlands VR comes out next week. Ninja Gaiden, I butchered that by saying the American and Japanese together. Ninja Gaiden NES comes to the NES subscription service next week. And there's one other game. And this is December like 12th through 14th. Dan, stop it. I can't help it. I love releasing games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap the show up now. I do have to thank our final sponsor, which is Palm. This is a new sponsor for us. And this is something I, I really wasn't aware of until they sponsored uh, them. And I'm totally intrigued by this product. I haven't actually held this. But I am. I think this is really an interesting idea. We all have phones. <laughs> we all have cell phones. Uh, and my cell phone has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's not always convenient to bring my phone with me uh, everywhere I go. It's not always convenient to bring it on runs, for example. It's not always convenient to, uh, you know, to put it in tight jeans, as Christian is always uh, pointing out. Uh, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Palm is a device that doesn't replace your phone. It's connected to it. It syncs with your existing smartphone. And all of your info is seamlessly connected when you leave your smartphone behind. You can use it without having your smartphone. So it's not tethered. It's not like uh, you know a watch or something that would, be, that would need your smartphone to, ha- to work. This uses all your smartphone data, it connects to your smartphone, but then you leave your smartphone behind and you bring this tiny little credit card sized device called the Palm, made by the original makers of the Palm Pilot, by the way. Uh, and it has two cameras, full Android Android OS, full Google Play app ecosystem, 4G, Wi-Fi, has all the mobility and capability of a smartphone, but it's like you bring it to the beach, you bring it out with nights out with your friends because it's small, it's tiny, it's unobtrusive. It doesn't have a huge bulge in your in your jeans. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It's not obnoxious. It's not getting in the way. It's not something that's hard to carry when you're out exercising. It's a really cool idea. And if you go to palm.com, p-a-l-m.com, you can you can learn more, and you can buy these at your nearest Verizon store. Uh, check it out. You can check it out for yourself. You're not going to believe how light and small these things are. I haven't had a chance to see it in person yet, but I'm excited to, uh, it's all available at your local Verizon store today. I went to palm.com and there's a picture of Steph Curry holding one. Hey, I'm in Steph Curry does something. I'm going to do it. I have a friend who's uh, held one of these and, uh, she said it's very impressive. I, I I've watched videos of it and I'm like, this looks, re- this is a great idea. This is really cool. Uh, finally, something that fits in my palm. It's called palm. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> let's wrap the show up with, uh, we got a, we got a parting gift coming up, but Dan Casey, thank you so much for being here, sir. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Well, it's a delight talking to you anytime I get a chance and it's been fun having you on the show. Where can people keep up with you and all of the many things you do uh, online? 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Casey, on Instagram at Osteoferocious, like the crippling bone disease, but meaner. And <laughs> you can find me each and every day on Nerdist.com. Yes. Uh, tons of content, tons of excellent work. Dan is awesome. Uh, Christian, what do you got going on this week? Twitter's the best way to keep in touch. It's at Spicer. Uh, Twitch, pretty much just this show right now, but uh, every week, 7.15 p.m. Pacific time, uh, streaming this show live. It's twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. It's not this week, but I think I have one more show that I know I'm doing in advance in L.A. before the new year. On the 20th, I'm at Flappers. I'm sure I'll be other places in between then and there, but oftentimes my shows in L.A. are booked week of. Uh, So Twitter's the best way to keep in touch with uh with those things I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on I, I don't i shut down a lot of things department of parenting we shut down this year altmm i shut down at the end of last month and the other things that i have spinning up i can't talk about yet jeff so that's it oh, that's good enough secrets you've seen some of the secrets i have they're cool, they're cool <laughs> secrets uh, I can be reached by visiting the Twitters and going to at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can also send us emails to this show at, uh, the wonderful email address, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate getting your comments, your questions, anything you want to say, a, a lot of really cool ones. The continuing conversation about uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has been very enjoyable and I appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for your, for weighing in on it. Uh, we will revisit that, I'm sure, in future episodes as well. Uh, but again, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I also do the Slash Filmcast, where we talk about movies and TV shows. You should uh, check that out. It's over at slashfilmcast.com. All right, guys. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Dan, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yes, folks, as you head into the holiday season, chances are you're going to be traveling or maybe just need to take a break from your loved ones uh, or just some time to yourself or maybe you have a long car ride. Who knows? Um, You know, you can spend money on an Audible subscription if you want, but for the low, low cost of having an absolutely free library card, Mm. you can download an app called Libby and one called Overdrive. And with those apps, you can download free audiobooks, free ebooks, all sorts of stuff to your iOS device, to your smartphone. You can send them to your Kindle, whatever e reader you have. It is invaluable. Uh, and sometimes it takes a little while to get the book that you're looking for, but it's been great. I listened to The Expanse recently on audiobook form, uh, the first book in that series, and it was awesome um, because I can only listen to so many podcasts and so much NPR before I need to break it. I need to like change it up a little bit when I'm in the car. Um, and this was been this has been a real game changer. So again, that's called that was Libby and what's the other Libby. one? Libby. Libby and Overdrive. They're Overdrive. the two apps. Nice. I got to get on that. I was not aware of Libby and Overdrive. I got to get on that. That sounds rad. Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a you got a parting gift? Gingerbread houses. Buy a kit if you need to. Make homemade gingerbread. I love all the what I will call silly, but I love them, so I shouldn't call them silly. I love all the arts and crafts around the holidays, and gingerbread houses are ones that are delicious while you make them. Like make them delicious. Like the gingerbread will never be that delicious because it needs to last. And it's definitely not delicious like a week later, but as you're making it, all the treats you're putting on it are delicious. Your friends will, again, not projecting. My friends will inevitably make much better looking gingerbread houses than the monster 
garbage can frosting monster that I make, but it's so much fun to do. And they look great a week later sitting out on your shelf. They make such great decorations all through the holidays. Kids love them. At least I should say my kids love them. Uh, Start with a kit. If it's your first foray, I know Trader Joe's has a very simple one that you kind of can't mess up. Uh, And then if you really want to go for it, make homemade gingerbread, but look up that the recipe where you're making gingerbread for a gingerbread house because that will be different than the type that you are just going to eat right away. But it's uh, a fun way to spend time with friends and family. Did our first gingerbread house with my two-year-old, uh, and it was uh, it was a delight. My mom has a, a tradition with my sister's kids, who are much older than my kids, uh, where they do a gingerbread house every year. And so they kind of have gotten to the point where they, they look forward to it, and it's their, their cool tr- tradition. Homemade um, or kit? What's the what's It's the a kit. Yeah, they yeah. do a kit. Do a kit. Um, There's nothing wrong with doing a kit. Do a kit. Yeah. Customize the candies. It's all about eating frosting and candy anyway. Yeah. Uh, although some of those kits, you don't want to eat any of the stuff in there. But uh, <laughs> BYOC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing we did this year, I'll just throw in on top of your your uh, parting gift. I'd never seen this before, but maybe other people have already knew about it. Um, we took a box, a relatively largest box that was you know, sent to us in a, some sort of Amazon purchase of some kind or whatever and um, poked holes in the top of it and put uh, Christmas lights, like poked the Christmas lights down into the holes and plugged that in so that it was like a, almost like a light bright, you know, mm. into the top of the box. And then uh, my son could climb into the box and it was illuminated by awesome Christmas lights on the top. And he just thought that was the coolest thing. He called it his house and he, uh, you loved it. So that's a easy sort of DIY, awesome, fun little thing to do at the holidays as well. It's also a good way to talk to people that have uh, fallen through into another world, another dimension. You just drink it another dimension, another dimension. Um, I my, well, let's uh, let's do our listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Zach S from Rome, New York, and uh, I love this one. Uh, he sent it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. He says. I have a listener parting gift that's actually a recommendation from the Totally Rad Show that only took me 15 years to get to. Uh, has it been 15? That seems like an awful long time. Uh, it can't have been 15. The Sci-Fi Channel miniseries from 2003. Oh, that's 15 years. It's been, I was going to say it's been 15. <laughs> uh, the Lost Room. The show is three 90-minute episodes and is about a mysterious hotel room that became untethered to space and time in the 60s. And objects from that room, like a pen or a comb, have been found to have special abilities. Like, for example, the comb stops time for about 30 seconds. The main character, Detective Joe Miller, has found the key, which lets him open any door in the world and go to the titular lost room and then can leave out of any door in the world he needs to find a way to rescue his daughter who became lost in whatever dimension the room exists in the cast is great and the show does a fantastic job of of revealing the mysteries of the lost room the powers of the various objects and the groups trying to find them all you can watch it free on tubi tv never heard of that tubi.tv which is a free streaming service similar to sony's crackle service there are about a billion D free uh, streaming services, evidently, because 2BTV is one. Uh, thank you, Zach. I have to say, The Lost Room is still one of my favorite shows of all time. And if it was made today, it would be a massive internet hit. The only reason most people haven't heard of it is because it was made in 2003. It was way ahead of its time. But it would be a huge, huge hit today because it is like, it's so well made, so smart, has all of the cool genre hooks that have become much more in vogue 
in the last five to 10 years than they have, they were in 2003. And uh, man, it's so good. I have it on DVD, by the way. It's great. Lost Room. My parting gift is uh, another show that you can watch streaming. This is on uh, Amazon streaming service, Amazon Prime. Uh, and I've talked about it before, but there's a new season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a great show you should watch. It is delightful. It's fun. It's funny. It's uh, beautifully shot. And I love it. And the second season is great. Started that and it gave me occasion to talk about it. If you haven't watched it, start from the first season. It's about um, a housewife who in the 60s who decides to become a stand-up comic. It's really fun. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime Streaming. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Dan Casey and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time and contributing and making the show better. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. And thank you to you for downloading the show. We certainly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.